When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross Sapp. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dong. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. And we're live. Listen, your boy, number 189. My hair is just not cooperating. I need to get a cut, but I don't have any time, Jimmy. I'll get you a Fightful hat. I do have a Fightful hat. But uh, I don't wear hats. But, I mean, my God. I mean, here's the thing. Do we, ha- do we sell those at shop.fightful.com? Do we I, don't have those? I don't know. We got lots of stuff over there. Yeah. But I haven't had time. It's not because of the Bret Hart interview. It's not because of the Sammy Callahan interview. It's not because of the enhancement stories with, with Big Swole. It's, it's not because of the Lance Storm interview I got dropping or any of the other ones. I, I've got a backlog. <sighs> it's not because of Bound for Glory or UFC or Hell in a Cell. It's because... I've been so busy preparing for episode 189 of Listen Your Boy, a very important number, uh, at least as far as I've thought for basically my whole life. A few days ago, I hit up Sean and I said, so are you going to interview uh, Lance Storm and Trish Stratus and Bret Hart? And Sean goes, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. It was yeah. a presser. Where did hey, they hey, send hey, it? Hey, hey, hey. Let's wait. Let's wait a second. So, so you don't give away the inside track on that. How, how about you don't expose some trade secrets so everybody else goes and snags these right away? How about uh, that? One? All right. All right. All right. Well, they, it, it got sent someplace. I can't recall where, but it wasn't the usual channels. So, um, okay. First thing I want to do is I want to give a little plug to my uh, nonprofit, uh, Grappling with Grief. This Thursday, which should be October 22nd, we're putting up our, our latest interview with a lady named Scarlett Lewis. Scarlett Lewis is the mother of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, who was shot and killed during the Sandy Hook Elementary School tragedy uh, in 2012, when uh, a shooter killed 20 kids and six adult staff members. So her son was, was involved. 
And uh, she's done some incredible things after that. I cannot imagine what she went through. She tells her story, and she's done some pretty incredible things uh, resulting from that. So check that out. That'll be interesting. And then I wanted to ask about Bret Hart, because you got, like, a good amount of time. I said to Sean yesterday, because Sean told me that, uh, that he got it done. And I was like, oh, what did you get, like 10, 15 minutes? He's like, try 37. I think it was 38, actually. So here's... So here's what happened. I interview. I was supposed to interview four people for the same project, and I had one. At, I had one person at noon, one person at twelve thirty, Brett at one, and then the other person at one thirty. And I was like, ah, you know what? Um, well, actually, the second person who was Trish Stratus, uh, there was a miscommunication. She wasn't doing interviews, and I said, ah, that sucks. But I interviewed her last year, so. Yep. No big deal. So I asked the 130 to be moved up to 1230 because I knew I was going along with Bret Hart. I got an interview or I got an email that I saw after the interview at like 1258 <laughs> that indicated only ask questions about the project. Well, let me tell you. Oh, well, let me tell you. It's 38 <laughs> minutes of me not asking a whole lot of stuff about the product or yeah, project yeah. because, quite frankly, he's not heavily featured in it. Not so, only that, but he was, I've, I've seen some of it. I haven't seen it all yet, but he was very willing to talk wrestling. Oh, very yes. willing. He loves it, man. He I, was. Yeah. When I did that, because you asked me, hey, are, is there things that you can ask that he hasn't been asked? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. I could do a weekly podcast with Bret Hart and make it really, really good. That's, I mean, we talked about El Dandy. And let me tell you, it's not easy to get a laugh, a chuckle out of Bret Hart. And I got a chuckle out of Bret Hart. You know what? You know what, Jimmy? Let's go ahead and go to the clip. I got to do that right now. Yeah, we'll go to the clip right now. Bret Hart is one of the only people to break me on screen while we're doing an interview. Uh, do you do you, do you do you do you consider this an interview? Like you and me? Do you consider this an interview? No. <laughs> okay, so I was going to say the Jim Cornette letter. I killed you. Yes, you did. This is not an interview. <laughs> okay. And I remember I got really frustrated and I went out and I talked about my cat. I talked about my cat was my only fan, Smokey the Cat. And then my cat was named Smokey. But I remember it was just the stupidest interview because I had nothing to talk about. It was almost like sarcastic to kind of kind of make it clear to Bischoff in the back that I don't have anything to talk about. The best I can come up with is my cat. And I just remember when I came back to the dressing room, Eric Bischoff goes, I love the part about the cat. He goes, I loved it. And it was like, I remember kind of scratching my head and thinking, for the money these guys are paying me, they sure got some st stupid people here, you know. And I actually remember giving them an idea about the cat, putting the cat in the cat carrier and having the cat in my corner all the time. <laughs> he got, and he said he loved it. Anyway, he never went anywhere, like any, everything in WCW. But, so you, but, you uh, pitched bringing a cat to the ring? Yeah, and then I actually had an idea where the cat would be with. I would have a real cat all the time in my corner, and then for one of the matches, I would, I would um, put like a stuffed toy cat in the my in my cat carrier, and I would put like have a zipper on it, and I would stick the cat in like the insides of the cat with a brick, and then when I was in in peril in the match. I would reach like in a say a Boston Crab or something like that or some kind of a hold where I was in in jeopardy. I would um, 
open my cage door and reach reach in through and grab the cat by the tail and swing it and hit the wrestler over the head with the brick and win the match with the the cat with a, a stuffed cat with a brick. But I remember I remember I was almost like a rib, like to see if they would just do it. I remember I was actually to be honest, it would have been better than anything they did have me do at that time. But um, anyway, that never came to fruition. But, uh, you know, sometimes you got to just uh, make up stuff on the go all the time. I think your nephew Teddy stole your gimmick. He carries yeah. it everywhere. Better off with Teddy anyway. We're back. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> that full interview drops on Thursday on Fightful. But, hey, you know what? If you're a subscriber, tier two of FightfulSelect.com, you can get it early. Uh, whenever we do move Fightful Select over to the main site, we're going to be doing away with tears. But right now, get it in while you can. I'm posting these interviews early. And uh, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, leave a thumbs up, subscribe, tap the bell for notifications. Donate a super chat if you want your question or statement read on the air. Anakin JMT did just that. He says, the shirt I'm sending you looks amazing. Can't wait to see your reaction. I hope it isn't trash. And Throwback says, Bret Hart was a part of the first uh, house show I went to see at the old Boston Garden. He's one of my favorites. Thank you, Sean, for being awesome, and Jimmy for being amazing all the time. We appreciate you, Throwback. I appeared on or popped up on one of his shows last night, actually. But, yeah, Jimmy, Bret Hart. That was that was a career highlight for me because I grew up with no more believable wrestler than Bret Hart. Yeah, when we were uh, when that was airing, I asked Camillo, our producer, because Camillo's not a hardcore uh, wrestling fan. So I asked Camillo, and you're also he's also not from Canada, so it's a bit of an interesting gauge. But I said to him, "Do you know the name Bret Hart?" And he goes, "From a, on a high level perspective, I do. Like I recognize the name because yeah. uh, to to Canadians, young and old, you know, if they weren't a fan of wrestling, they still probably know who Bret Hart is, or at least, yes. at least heard the name. So I, I think I told you that I met him one time uh, when Wrestling with Shadows came out. Oh yeah, and and nothing against him, but the biggest thing that surprised me was his size. At how big he was? No, at how, how not? Small he was. Yes, really? Yeah, like I'm only about five nine, and uh, and he wasn't much bigger than me. And uh, I expected him to be bigger because when you see him in the ring with, say, the Undertaker, he didn't look out of place in the ring with the Undertaker. And so I was surprised. He he, uh, I was with uh, Jeff Merrick. I'm sure you know who he is from the original Live Audio Wrestling crew. And Bret Hart came up to do an interview, and I was surprised at his size. That's the thing I remember the most about him. That's one of the things why I say he's so believable. Like, he just, everything he did looked like he was, he had intent. And because of that, he seemed bigger than he actually was. Yeah, yeah. Rob Wilkins says, Sean, fantastic interview with Bret. I was dying at the El Dandy talk. Jimmy, without giving, um, without giving too much info, how do you uh, determine what guests to have on Grappling with Grief? Uh, so I'm looking for stories in which somebody went through adversity but were able to channel that grief into positivity because I want to be able to help people who are currently going through a tough time or are currently dealing with trauma, and maybe they can relate to one of these stories, and maybe it can even inspire them to try to channel their grief into something positive. So that's what I'm looking for is to talk to people who have and, – and I'll be quite frank with you. Uh, since we went up, I've gotten hit up by several people wanting to tell their story, but they're still in the midst of, of dealing with trauma. 
And so I'm trying to explain, like, you know, with all due respect, I, I want to tell stories that have a light at the end of the tunnel so that I can kind of inspire people going through a tough time. So that's kind of what we're, what we're goal. That's what the goal is. Tim Traver says, I also popped up on showback or throwback show a few minutes ago. You did this weekend. I encourage people to check that out. Ron Patel, the sponsor of No Profanity September, says, what is SRS's go-to food for a pick-me-up? Um, my comfort food is usually uh, chicken tenderloin, corn, and mashed potatoes because my grandmother used to make that. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's my usual go-to. Here's a funny story. So the last time we were, well, no, maybe not the last time. Whenever we came to Canada and you sent us to Niagara Falls, yes, we had been eating whatever was normal. I don't want to say normal in Canada, like there's a big <laughs> difference, but yeah. When we're not here, we try to eat places and try things that, yeah, a lot of Tim Hortons, yep. that we couldn't get here. Like, I don't want to go to a McDonald's out there. By the time we went to Niagara Falls, we were like, oh, we kind of missed the normal food that we have. So we went to a buffet out there. Boy, do they hike the prices. In Niagara I, Falls. Oh, yeah. I accidentally spent $100 on two-person meals more times that week than I ever had intentionally in my life. That buffet was no exception, and that is with the conversion rate, too. But, yeah, I, I wanted to get some corn, mashed potatoes, like some ribs, and, oh, boy, it was expensive. But that I was, also told you about the bullshit tax. Oh, yeah, you did. But that was a great trip. Like, oh, my God, I, I enjoyed Niagara Falls so much. The only thing I'll tell you about, about McDonald's is that sometimes, depending on where you're located, they will have something on the menu unique to that location Yeah, that you can't get everywhere. And I was in Nova Scotia, Canada one time. Nova Scotia is in the Maritimes and, you know, a lot of seafood. And they had a McLobster. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember there was a sign. I'm not a big McDonald's guy, but there was a sign for McLobster. And I was like, I got to do it. I yeah. got to do it, you know. And it was trash. But I had to do it, Sean, because it didn't exist back home. You know? And uh, Throwback says, the go-to food during a pay-per-view, uh, probably pizza. I like a good pizza. What about you, Jimmy? When you're sitting down to watch a pay-per-view, what are you usually like, okay, I'm going to get this food? Pizza's a very a very normal one, but my favorite uh, comfort food is garlic bread. Okay. And if garlic bread was as good for you as broccoli, I would eat it every day. Yeah. Because I love yeah. garlic bread, but I, I limit it because it's just pure fat and garbage, you know? Well, we, we are going to get into wrestling after this, la after this last Super Chat. I know there are more, but uh, we'll get to them as they make sense throughout the show. Uh, Rob Wilkins says, Jimmy, I met Brett at an autograph signing. He, I was wearing a Jeremy Roenick sweater jersey, and he jokingly told me he wanted to sign me to the Calgary Hitman. Yeah, he, uh, he doesn't have the team anymore, but, uh, but he used to own the Calgary Hitman. He was co-owner, I believe. And I remember when that came out, they got a lot of heat over their logo. Do you remember hearing these stories, Sean? I mean, when I, I know when you use the term hitman in, in a team name, it's going to be bound to controversy. It was, uh, it, it looked like a killer wearing a hockey mask holding the stick like a weapon. Yeah. And uh, this was late 90s, I think. And I remember it was big news in, uh, in that, that was like in Western Canada. It was big news because uh, there was a lot of groups that felt like it was a threatening logo. And actually, I think they even wanted to get it removed. But uh, they wow. didn't. Yeah, they didn't. And he sold his stock in the in the in the team. I believe they're still called the Calgary Hitmen to this day. But uh, he does. He's not an owner anymore. Wow. So so what do we got on the list? <sighs> you know something. So I watched a little bit of Sour Graps this week. 
on on oh, FIFO, yeah? on, on FIFOselect.com. Yeah. Really now I I am not a big podcast guy, as you know. I don't really watch any podcasts. I'll I'll catch some Joe Rogan clips on YouTube because I, I I respect Joe Rogan. That's about it. I don't. I'm not a big podcast guy. After Raw on Monday, for whatever reason, I wanted to hear what Alex Pawlowski had to say. And I went and checked Sour Grabs out for a little bit, and he made a really interesting remark. And, and he claimed, he said somebody uh, had tweeted that to him. He's and an he, outstanding analyst. And he's he a tweeted truly it. Outstanding he, he's, he's, he's pretty clever and witty, and he's good with the one liners. Yeah. So he, so he said that somebody tweeted him, and they, they likened WWE to McDonald's. This is the tweet that he mentioned. He said somebody likened WWE to McDonald's, and they said that WWE could hire all the best chefs in the world, but they'd still have them cranking out Big Macs. Mm -hmm. That's such a great analogy because WWE has so much good talent, top-tier talent, way better than 20, 30 years ago. It's not even close in, in terms of the, the quality of the talent. And the show, arguably, has never been worse. Maybe in the early 90s when they had the Goon and T.L. Hopper and Who and Mantor and all that bullshit. Otherwise, it's arguably never been worse. And so, retribution. Do you remember, Sean, back on July 30, WWE reported their Q2 earnings? Right? And you yes. and I were doing this podcast at the time, and we talked about the earnings call. We always do. So they reported their Q2 earnings. And for probably the first time ever on that Q2 earnings call, they had corporate shareholders, not wrestling fans, corporate shareholders figuring shit out, grilling Vince McMahon because they could see it. They could see popularity dwindling. They could see television ratings were on the decline. They could see that the revenue was predominantly in U.S. rights. They could see it. And so they grilled Vince McMahon about this stuff. Um, Vince responded like he normally does after that, because obviously he felt the heat, and he responded like he normally does. He got a, a temporary sense of urgency. And so the very next Monday, which would have been August 3rd, he debuted a bunch of new stuff. And two of those new things, one was Raw Underground, and another was Retribution. That was their first night. Remember when they threw the Molotov cocktails? That was, that <laughs> yeah. was, that was their yeah, first night. Sure do. He did that right after the Q2 earnings call. It was obviously in, in, in uh, response to the Q2 earnings call and to all the heat that he got. Uh, you and I, on that podcast after their debut and after the Raw Underground debut, we questioned, how long is this going to last? Because Vince McMahon's MO for years is he tries something new, but he loses interest. He's done it for years if they don't have some kind of gauge to determine that something is wildly successful week one, and I don't know how you determine that this day and age, but in this man's mind, if, if he cannot determine something was wildly successful in week one, he loses interest fast. And, yes. and, and he's been doing it. And so here we are now. It's a little over two months later. Raw Underground is already done. And they basically climaxed it when Dabakato got his ass kicked because Dabakato was kind of like the, the face of Raw Underground, got his ass kicked by Braun Strowman, Raw Underground is done. Now you got Retribution. Retribution, just like that, they're a bunch of losers. And they're a bunch of geeks wearing stupid costumes, getting beat one-on-four by The Fiend. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and you know what, you know what killed it even more? T-Bar was the unofficial leader of that group. He's the biggest one. He was the most intimidating one. He submitted Sean. They couldn't at least have Slapjack in the full Nelson. They had T-Bar submit the biggest guy. I don't think it should have been like that. I think how it should have been. If Okay, first off, Retribution shouldn't have lost. Yes, Retribution 100%, shouldn't have lost. 100%. Because 
it, it wouldn't hurt the hurt business to lose at all because yes. how, how do I know that? Well, because they lost six matches to Apollo Crews over the last, or seven rather. It was the best of fifteen. And honestly, Cedric Alexander or MVP take that loss doesn't mean a thing. And you know if I mean? you okay, so if you are going to beat Retribution, if you are going to beat Retribution, and I'm looking at this, guys, before you go out there and say, "Well, WWE doesn't care about that," I don't give a. <laughs> <laughs> what WWE doesn't care about, I care about it making sense, and that's the show you're watching. If they had to, I would legitimately have Bobby Lashley, all 265 pounds of him, snatch up Slapjack with yeah. a small package. Because then you can say, man, UFC fighter, or MMA fighter, Bobby Lashley, national champion, big dude. He, he got him with a small package. That's going to happen. He outweighs him by 60 pounds. Right. But you have you have him tap out. You have T-Bar tap out. And I get it. They've been pushing the full Nelson. But let's be real. That move sucked for decades. Oh, yeah. It's an awful sucked. finisher now. It's a terrible finisher. T-Bar is the biggest, most intimidating kind of like, you know, pseudo leader of that group. And you have him submit. You got the Fiend laying out, all four of them, by himself. It, how do you justify the booking? You remember, I think it was like a month ago when they announced the name. So they announced like Slapjack was the name and Mace and T-Bar. And they had Mia Yim out there, not even covering her face. And, and on Twitter, I asked, devote WWE fans, how do you justify this? And everybody shit on me personally because they had nothing constructive to say. They had no legitimate justification and that's why they turn to insults because there's still a sect of the fan base they just want to defend wwe to the death sean yeah and that's that's fine but how do you possibly justify this booking there's no way you could possibly you, justify this you've got people out there who were saved by mace saved by mace he took an ass whooping from brock lesnar for these people right and they're like huh what? right right i'll tell you what Somebody saves me from an ass whooping from Brock Lesnar. I'm going to remember them for the rest of my life because I'm going to send them an edible arrangement twice a year. Like, I'm not going to forget who they are if they throw on some silly mask. Forever? That, like, every year you're going to do like, that? Yes, because yes, that forever wouldn't exist without that person. That's fair. I That's fair. Died. Okay. Man, so watermelon so flowers twice a year. Not bad, Sean. You're damn right. You're damn right. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Entertainment said, I did not want to see Retribution versus anyone on Raw at Survivor Series. I mean, wh where's the interest for that now? Where's the interest for that now? I mean, come on. Um, Throwback27 says, who do you think should step in and fix WWE creative and improve the product? Make Vince see the light and step aside. Hunter, Steph, or Shane? Steph, no, whoa. Not Steph. Steph doesn't even want that role. No, and she'd be terrible at I mean, it's got to yes. be Hunter. It's got to be Hunter. Yeah. Got to be Hunter. Yeah. And based on the NXT creative I've seen over the last several months, I ain't that confident in that either. How how heavily involved is he in that? Because I know they do have, you know, head writers there. Is he? Very. He's the Vince McMahon of NXT still. Very, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Throwback27 says, Ali's promo helped uh, make sense to add to the hacker storyline, but I wish they went more in depth. If they don't want to have him in Retribution being taken serious, they need something credible. So, yeah, that was one of the things that I liked most about Raw on Monday. And yeah, there's a big problem there, though. Well, we'll talk about it, but FightfulSelect.com, subscribe today, broke the news that Ali was going to reveal himself as the hacker. Um, 
I like this. It was very throwaway. It was very, let's put a bow on this. We're not going to do anything with this, so let's just make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. I appreciate them making sense of it. But what what is your issue with it? Uh, so, so okay, so when Sean uh, broke that story, Sean gave me a heads, heads up and said, hey, you know, they're tentatively, because they always change things last minute, but he said they're tentatively going to reveal Hacker. Uh, Ali is the hacker. I thought that was great. I thought it makes perfect sense. They can say he's got dirt on the McMahons. That's why the Retribution is able to get away with all this shit. This is why they drafted them again instead of just kind of letting them disappear. Makes perfect sense. What I hated about it is that he cut that promo after they lost in the ring and after the Fiend laid all four of them out. And so there they are. There they are standing backstage trying to look intimidating. And there's Ali standing in front of them and pointing at the camera. And I thought, but, but. You, you just got your asses kicked by one guy. Like, how, how are you a threat now? How are you a threat now? One guy just whipped your asses. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just very tough for me to take it seriously now. And, and uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, when Ali uh, was revealed as their leader, and Ali is, is good, you know, like he's, he's, he's good in the ring, but they're all good in the ring today. He's, he's got presence. He's a good talker, all of that. When he revealed himself as the leader, and he, he slowly walked to the center of the ring, looked into the, the hard camera, put up his hand. All the other guys are standing behind him. I thought they finally found a way to turn Retribution into something interesting. And in one night, they just slaughtered it. You know? Yeah. And you know what they're going to do. They'll have a rematch next week. Retribution will win. Oh, yeah. Because that's what they do. And, oh, and that, that'll happen with Lee and Strowman, too. By right. this time next week, we'll be talking about Keith Lee beating Braun Strowman yes. on Sunday or Monday. Yes. And uh, it's just very difficult to take them seriously. And, and the other thing about the Retribution storyline I don't understand is Hurt Business heals, Retribution heals, Fiend heal. Why do we care about this? I Why? Think I think the best person served in all this is Alexa Bliss. I think she's the one who takes the title off of Asuka, honestly, as Could be. this character. I think she'll get over a little bit more as a result. This is their latest chance to rehabilitate The Fiend. Every time they have something special, they 50-50 it or they beat him. I'm sorry, but Habib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje, which we're going to talk about in a bit, yep. if half of that equation isn't undefeated... I'm not as interested in this fight. I agree, although although Gaethje uh, destroying Tony Ferguson makes it interesting to me. Sure. Without yeah, that fight, I mean, I'm not that interested. But the thing is, I'm I'm just as interested. I'm I'm gonna watch a Justin Gaethje fight. I'm more interested in this Justin Gaethje fight because he's facing someone who has never been beaten before. Right. Now I'm not saying everybody has to be undefeated, and they just they just pick and choose where they protect people at the dumbest times. It's Oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so frustrating, and it leads to a super chat from Jalen McKenzie who says, Would you guys watch Raw and SmackDown if it wasn't your jobs? No, I wouldn't. I'd watch Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I would I would fast-forward through it, or I'd watch YouTube clips. As of right now, I'd probably just watch AEW Dynamite, to be quite honest with you. And I would probably skim through NXT, but I love wrestling and I love talking about wrestling, and I want it to be good. And also, he asked what our World Series predictions are. I think the Dodgers will win. You want to answer those? I'm not a baseball guy. I, I couldn't believe they got fans at the, at the, in the stadium. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's Texas. So, good luck. Leave that thumbs up, guys. Uh, donate a super chat. Chris Rain says, Sour Graps this past Monday was one of the best ones. I'm telling you guys, 
I, I just gave free reign to Alex. I'm like, say what you want, talk about what you want. You are not censored. You can go as long as you want. He's been going like 90 minutes on Raw. <laughs> when we did our shows together, we did Raw. Speaking of, I can go ahead and announce this again. I'll be rejoining the Wednesday Night War podcast starting November 4th. Uh, Mr. Warren Hayes, who we want to thank for his time here, has stepped away. He'll be doing some other stuff. You can still check him out on his YouTube channel at uh, Mr. Warren Hayes. But uh, we're going to be starting at 1030 Eastern starting November 4th. As I stepped away from that show for a while, I realized it's very hard to get that show, both of those shows watched by 1010. So we're giving it a little more breathing room. We're going to try to limit it to roughly an hour. Of course, we'll go over sometimes. But I'm going to have a lot of backstage news. Uh, I don't think it's any secret at this point. NXT and AEW people watch this show. They actively tweet about it. So uh, come check it out. And uh, bid Warren to do as he's done some really good stuff for us. But I'm very excited to be rejoining Wednesday nights. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time, Jimmy. Well, you know, we could talk about some of the other shit that happened on Raw, like Keith Lee getting beaten two minutes. But uh, we're not going to do that because Fightful has a whole Raw review that you, you did with Denise, and people can check that out. There's one other question that I have for Sean Ross at about Raw. Last week on this podcast, we talked about the WWE draft. And I asked Sean Ross, how long do you think before WWE does brand crossover? I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving him a, a, a one-night cushion since they said last time, but I shouldn't. But the only reason I am is because of fucking dorks <laughs> on Twitter that are sitting there saying, oh, well, they said it was the last time, Sean. Sean, here's me playing the tiniest violin for you, Sean. Here we are. Morons on Twitter that have the balls to come up to me and say, oh, it's the women's tag team division. They can do that. No, they can't. That's not the rule. I saw that. Oh, but, but that's not Otis. That's not really Otis. That's a different guy. So right. he can be on Raw. <laughs> I was joking on Twitter. I don't know if anybody knows hockey, but I was joking on Twitter. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers could reach out to Nathan McKinnon. So Nathan McKinnon is a superstar with the Colorado Avalanche. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers could reach out to Nathan McKinnon and say, hey, for a few games, will you throw on a mask? Uh, and you can play with Connor McDavid on the top line because apparently that's okay. So maybe you can do that. They have a brand-to-brand -brand invitation rule. They can say that's that they can say it. Well, they brought Otis over in the brand-to-brand -brand invitation, or they can say that after the fact. They can say Raw blew their brand-to-brand -brand invitation this quarter on Otis. Right, because it was funny what they did. It was funny. It was funny. I and, enjoyed and it. It was. And the fact that Miz was very flagrantly saying, we know it's you. Like, they weren't acting stupid about it. Mm -hmm. So so that was funny. And it was even a nice touch with Mandy bringing him the ham afterwards, you know? Yeah. That was, so, I, I like that. That made yeah, sense. It was funny, but, but, but uh, sorry, I, I just want to cl clarify one thing, oh, because God. somehow there is always confusion for reasons I don't understand. So I do want to clarify it. Like Sean said, the women's tag team champions can go brand to brand. Not all women's tag teams can go brand to brand. The women's tag team champions can. And they made that clear on television. And so you can't say Ruby and, and Liv Morgan can be on Raw because they're a tag team. No. The champions can jump brand to brand. Uh, Sean, Sean on, on Twitter on Monday when Sean was critical of, of this decision, so many people replied. I actually texted you. So many people replied saying, oh, but it's uh, women's tag teams. Like, it's, 
No, that's just not accurate. It's as simple yes. as that. The champions have the golden ticket. Yes. Not everybody else. That's right. Not everybody else can get into the chocolate factory. Yeah. <laughs> With the golden ticket. Yes. My God. And uh, honestly, for- sorry, I was going to just say, honestly, this to me, like we've seen a thousand other times before, this is what happens when there's no advanced planning. This is what happens when you change shit up on the fly. This is what happens. They didn't, though. They didn't this time. I'll have more on that this week, but Raw was not a, a like a, a hastily produced show this week, from what I understand. So, was Ruby and Liv scheduled before the day of the show? That I don't know. I mean, but I, I will try to find out. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Throwback twenty seven says it's even more frustrating that WWE is moving some stories to SmackDown to improve ratings, repeating the same stories and making us feel insulted. I don't know if they moved Rollins and Ray over there to improve the ratings, like that story. Uh, but they did have to switch some stuff up. But moving Apollo to SmackDown, God, that was. I'm glad they did that. Yeah. Although I don't doubt that he shows up as a mystery third man to team up against the Hurt Business at some point, like just because that's what they do. But yeah. it is frustrating that they won't really switch it up. They won't try anything new. This is one of the war- the most boring eras of WWE I've ever seen. One of the worst. And I covered Jinder Mahal's title reign. I was there. I watched during all the the occupational gimmicks, mm-hmm. the wild card, all that stuff. Man. Well, you know what? Here's some ironic timing for you. So when Vincent Man threw all that new stuff at the wall, it was as a result of the Q2 earnings call. That's why he did it. I don't care what he says publicly. That's why he did it. The Q3 earnings call is next Thursday, October 29th. You want to talk about timing? Uh, this time, I think that the numbers are going to be either slightly higher or slightly lower than Q2. And the reason I think that is because, so in Q3, they had the benefit of, of the money saved from all that talent that they released and furloughed, but they also took on extra costs from Amway and from Thunderdome. And so I think they'll be either, you know, a little higher, a little lower. I don't expect really great news and I don't expect really... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Bad news. However, however, I put together a little chart ski that I want to show you. I want to show you. This is Media One, Camillo. This is raw ratings, Media One. I put together a chart showing you quarter by quarter, uh, and these numbers come from Showbuzz Daily. Uh, Viewership is in the millions there, so pretend there's three zeros there. And I rounded it to the nearest thousands. So when you look at this chart, Q2 was April through June of this year, uh, the quarter that they just finished, or two quarters ago, I guess. Raw averaged 1.834 million viewers per episode. They had 13 episodes in the quarter. They were down 392,000 viewers uh, on average per episode compared to Q1, which was a difference of about 18%. 
And on the Q2 earnings call, they tried to blame COVID as a reason for that. Uh, plus, Q1 was heavy into WrestleMania season because they had the Rumble and they had the road to WrestleMania and everything. So they yeah. tried to utilize that as the reason that the numbers were down in Q2. Well, we just finished Q3. This is what the call is going to be about next week. Raw average 1.724 million viewers per episode, 13 episodes again in the quarter. They were down by an average of 110,000 viewers per episode, about a 6% drop from Q2. And if you compare Q3 to Q1, they were down by 502,000 viewers per episode on average, which is a difference of 22.55% from Q3 to Q1. That's massive. 22.55%. NXT have been uh, at least steady since the last quarterly call. Yes, this is is a raw issue. Uh, And and the reason I'm looking at raw is, number one, I still consider their flagship. Number two, they get the most money for that show. Uh, And that's the one that they're going to get grilled on again. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics, you know, he does stuff sometimes for Fightful. He posted a chart on Twitter showing that Raw has proven to be durable this year versus Monday Night Football in the 18 to 49 demo. The rating uh, hasn't dropped as much in that demo as much so as it did in previous years. What Brandon suggested is that maybe WWE has finally run off all but their most devoted hardcore fans which is the reason why uh, versus Monday Night Football, the, the, number, the drop isn't as severe this year. What are your thoughts on that theory that the only thing they got left now with 1.7 million-ish on USA on Monday nights, hardcore duo fans, casuals are gone. What are your thoughts? Well, sometimes 1.6. Sometimes uh, 1.6. But, I mean, th- those numbers since the last quarterly call, too, I remember the week before the quarterly call, or the month before the quarterly call, it was right around, like, 1.5, 1.6. That month, it was a particularly bad month. They didn't top, uh, I don't think they got to 1.7 at all. And they are at least getting 1.7, 1.8. They're not dropping below the 1.66, which is good. Because I remember when I saw that 1.5, I was like, oh, no. Like, at that point, I was like, man, AEW might catch them one day. Or, yeah, I think, wasn't that July? That was July 4th, I think. Might have been. Yes. Holiday yeah, number, so, yeah. But, I mean, well, yeah, it was, no, it was July 13th. Oh, was it? July 13th, yeah. Ju- July 4th had no show this year. Um, oh, okay. Ju- it was a July 6th show, I remember. But I didn't think AEW was going to catch Raw as much as Raw was going to catch AEW, if you know what I mean. Like, they were going to diminish to the point to where they kind of met. I I don't think they're going to be as hard on Vince McMahon on the calls this time because the numbers have like at least stayed steady from that month particular. Cause that's what he'll throw to. If they complain, Jimmy, he'll say, well, in July we were at 1.5 and 1.6 this month. We're at 1.7, 1.8. It's trending upwards. That's what he'll say. I think, I think he's got a cop out now. I mean, he always has a cop out. I mean, I, I think it was in uh, when they did the Q1 earnings call and the Q, and Q1 is January, February, March. All he did was put over WrestleMania. WrestleMania wasn't even in the quarter. Do you remember that? Yeah. And all he did was put over WrestleMania and the social media numbers because it was a two-night show. Like, he looked for any spin he could think of, even though he was talking about an event that took place outside the quarter. So he'll definitely do whatever he can do. And if he, you know, the Q3 is, uh, what, July, August, September. So if he's got to look at even October numbers as some kind of of an out, he'll do it. But because these numbers fall into Q3, because they were down by over 100,000 viewers on average per episode, when it seemed like they were almost at their bottom in Q2, 
I can't help but think that he's going to get crapped on. I think somebody's, you know, is going to ask him about, you know, uh, these new storylines. You said you needed new storylines, and now it looks like you've ended them or, or whatever. I think someone's going to ask him something. But the question is that Q3 calls on August is on October 29th, right? If Vince is asked again about popularity, about ratings, about whatever, if he's asked again, what do you expect on Raw the following Monday, November 2nd, because he's going to be throwing shit at the wall again if he gets grilled on the October 29th call. What do you expect? Intergender wrestling in WWE. No, they're going to have a moat, and Braun is going to have to wrestle an alligator in the ring. <laughs> and then they're going to tie it into Battlegrounds. You can do this every week, every day on Battleground. Battleground. Maybe he'll be calling Brock saying, look, man, do me a solid here. Even though Brock is not the answer. But to Vincent Mann, he is. So maybe he'll be like, come on, Brock. Do me a favor here, bud. I mean, he didn't even ask The Rock or, or Cena to do him a favor when they could have flown in and filmed a bunch of stuff. I know. I know. We, we have an interesting uh, super <clears throat> chat, and I haven't heard you talk about this or see if you even commented on this. Jake Hager's tweet to Stephanie McMahon. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. So Stephanie McMahon tweeted, Proud of the WWE community team for all their hard work to make WWE the 2020 Corporation of the Year at this year's PR News, CSR, and Nonprofit Awards. WWE's mission is to put smiles on faces, and it could not be done without the hard work and passion of this incredible team. And Jake Hager said, keep in mind, Jake Hager was offered a new WWE contract. He yeah. passed it up. So before you hit us with the WWE reject, the WWE washout stuff, he passed up a new deal. He said, one of many. One of many. Yes. LMAO. I guess lying about over $37 million in quarterly profits so you can fire over 300 people during a worldwide pandemic is category for an award. My first question is, where's he get the 300 people from? Oh, it was, it was hundreds. What? Furloughed and laid off. It's not just WWE. It wasn't just... No, I know there's... I, I get that. I get that. There but it was, it was that many... I don't know if it was that many. I don't have a head count. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Duck, yeah. duck, goose here. You know what? The only thing I'm going to say is this. I don't like, you know, shitting on Stephanie all the time. I don't know her personally. I've heard she's a nice person. Um, the only thing I will say is this, and this is my opinion because I've never met her, so this is just my opinion. Sometimes you have a successful person who has offspring, and that offspring is put in really plumb positions because they're the son or daughter of the of the boss. Uh, I am nonpartisan with politics, but Eric Trump is a plug. Eric Trump is a fucking moron. I've seen him do so many interviews. He did an interview a couple weeks ago where he said his dad doesn't need this job. Did you see that interview? Yes. Like, what do you... Th he's in the middle of an election campaign, and you said he doesn't need this job. Eric Trump is a moron. I look at Stephanie McMahon, and I just think, with all due respect to her... She wouldn't be the CBO if her dad wasn't the owner. With all due respect to her, she wouldn't be. Shane McMahon would not be a, a, a top-tier talent making seven figures a year if Vince wasn't the owner. That's just, that's just reality. And Stephanie, kind of like Eric Trump, has the blinders on like this. And she just does. She, she has had a life of privilege. And she's got the blinders on like this. And she's not privy to kind of things in the real world. That's the reason why the same day that they were putting Connor into the Hall of Fame after this kid passed from cancer, she posted, Philanthropy is the future of marketing on Twitter. Oh, yeah. That's why she did it, because she's got the blinders on and she, she's privileged life doesn't really get it. For her to post that, 
after everything that's that's been going on and continuing to go on, there are still people furloughed, still. For her to post that was so stupid and just so short-sighted, uh, but it just didn't surprise me because, again, with all due respect to Stephanie, like I said, I don't know her personally. She kind of has a history of doing things like this. Just got the blinders on. That's That's really all I can say about it. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, Guys, reminder, leave a thumbs up. Donate a Super Chat if you want your question or statement read on the air. And after this show, head over to FightfulSelect.com for the list goes on. What else do you have? So in in other news, and this is quite a topic, so WFTV, ABC Channel 9 out of Orlando, Florida, reports that the Orange County Department of Health is asking that COVID-19 strike team out there to look into a list of 17 businesses where COVID might be spreading. One of those businesses is WWE. and Three venues. Yep, they listed three venues, the Performance Center, Full Sail University, and the Amway Arena. WWE released a statement to WFTV, because, of course, they had to. So they released a statement to WFTV. This is media to uh, Camillo. WWE is not open to the public, but rather operating on a closed set, which uh, there should be an asterisk there because it wasn't always a closed set, but operating on a closed set with only essential personnel in attendance. As part of ongoing weekly testing protocol, Aventus Labs have administered more than 10,000 PCR tests to WWE formers, employees, production staff, and crew, resulting in only 1.5% positive cases as compared to the current national average of more than 5%. I asked Sean today, and I know it was short notice, but I asked Sean today, is there any way that you can verify that claim of 1.5%? Because the thing is, they were not testing every talent every day. So it's not like they can say, okay, in a seven-day week, we performed 1,000 tests or whatever it would be. They didn't do it every day on every performer. And so it's kind of difficult to get a real number. But have you been able to look in at all into that, uh, that verification? Well, it, depending on what you mean by verification, I mean there's there's a lot of lot of issues with what WDB is doing. I mean there there was an Orlando Magic a Magic player rolling around in the ring this week. We don't know. We assume he got tested. They really? Have been, yes. What? Yes. The statement yes. just said closed set essential personnel. Yeah. <sighs> he posted a video. I think it was Terrence Ross of him rolling around in the ring. Uh, the audience, are, are they essential personnel That's that it. were at the performance center? That's it. Yep. What, what about the ones that, that popped up at, I think it was, I can't remember if it was for raw or whatever it was when they had friends and family there. Were they right? Cause a lot of them, like the testing was a day, day and a half before people, when they get tested for TV, they're tested two days ahead of time and do Lord knows what for a couple days. Mm-hmm. They're not getting daily testing for this training. It's a mess. A takeover just happened, like what, two weeks ago? Yes. It just happened. And they promoted with pride that they had these little pods of, of fans. You know, that was a promotional tool for them. Yeah. <sighs> oh, this makes my head hurt. Uh, in, re- in related news, John Alba posted uh, this on Twitter on October 20. This is Media 3, Camillo. A source tells me the recent MLW TV tapings went very well with the last COVID-19 testings coming back clean. Nearly 80 tests, all negative. Now, I understand that this is not apples to apples, 80 tests versus hundreds or thousands in WWE. Not apples to apples, but it still sounds like, even though it's on a, on a lower scale, that they got their shit together just much better than WWE does. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I thought that they did. I got a lot of positive feedback. I posted that on Select as well. 
there were when somebody okay so i I was told a cdc (laughs) official was there i don't know if it's somebody had been through the training program or whatever that may be i was asked about that i wasn't able to get an answer but i got a lot of positive feedback on on the protocols basically wrestlers would go there do their match go back to the hotel good not hanging around a bunch well in another related story Game Changer Wrestling had their show back in October 10. Uh, you were going to go to it, and, uh, and kudos to you. Sounds like it's a bit of a train wreck. What's the latest you're hearing on that situation? So, I mean, gosh, uh, that was actually something. I, I had spoke to Deanna Peraza. We had both kind of been like, she was like, hey, you, going, you still going to this collective thing? Because I had an interview scheduled with her and like 19 other people there. I was going to do like the the gla- the plexiglass divider gimmick and i was like no i can't i can't in good conscience go to something like that and possibly bring something home to my wife who teaches immunocompromised children can't do that and i'm very glad that i didn't but i spoke to brett lauderdale we did an interview at 1 30 in the morning uh, until 2 30 in the morning and he answered every single question i had and he said to me ahead of time he said Ask me whatever you want. Ask me the toughest questions that you can find. Take the questions from people. And I don't mean like questions like, why are you a fucking idiot? And stuff like that. <laughs> that ain't a tough question. <laughs> I would love to I would love to see you ask somebody okay, that question. I did laugh when somebody said, just follow this script. And it was Michael Scott from The Office. And he goes, question one, who do you think you are? <laughs> question two, where do you get off? <laughs> I was like, okay, that was pretty good. But all the rest of them, I, I, I asked him about all that stuff. Then I asked him a little bit about the collective because it was a successful series of events. But um, I, there was no way it was a good idea. It was not a good idea to be there, even if you got tested, because not everybody else that are, that's wrestling got tested. And there were some things that I applaud him for, taking the measures, making sure that people are going to get tested and are, are – okay before these events now should have been mandated before then there was no reason not to and i get it there's an infection period between then and there's no way to avoid it unless you just shut yourself out incubation period i think you mean but yet you still have to control it as best you can yeah you're right yeah and that wasn't i didn't think that was done as best as best you can it seems like he knows that it seems like joey janela knows that as well and they are taking the the measures to improve how many positives have they reported I don't know how many have been reported. I know there's okay. been at least like a half dozen that are, have been made public, but I, I know there are more. Okay. And what, Cabana Man, Cabana Man Dan, Dan the Dad, AC Mac, and I feel like a couple more. And what's this about a backstage argument? Ethan Page and uh, Brett Lauderdale got into it. So Ethan Page was not happy that he was featured on a set of trading cards without signing off on it. And a lot of people that I talked to got it. They were like, our image is all we have, and we don't have a contract. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I do think that that probably should have been addressed privately. He took to Twitter immediately and was like, I don't like this. Where's my money? Joey Janela sent a tweet where he had sent Ethan Page like a couple bucks on PayPal, jokingly. I can tell you, knowing Joey Janela, he didn't do that maliciously. Mm -hmm. He just thought it was a fun little thing to do. Ethan Page was not happy. He was mm-hmm. not happy about it. They had it out, or not they. Ethan Page went off about it on Twitter. Uh, Joey Janela talked to him about it, apologized in person. But Ethan Page felt like he was owed an apology from Brett Lauderdale 
I know they had talked before the collective, but they didn't during the collective. And when I reached out to Brett and Ethan Page, Ethan said, I finished my commitments. And then I said to him, are you going to apologize to me? And from basically what I can piece together, Brett was like, I think you're the one who owes me an apology. I'm not that worried about it. Thought it was squashed. And Ethan Page went off. Mm. Ethan Page went off and is not happy with Brett Lauderdale. And I was supposed to talk to Ethan Page on the record about it, but Impact's a little bit more strict with them, their PR being on interviews and stuff. And I don't know that Impact PR would love to be on an interview with me and Ethan Page, him talking about blowing up at a GCW promoter. So, well, I'll, I'll get more information on that as I can. But yeah, that was... I think he still lives in Hamilton. Do you want me to just like send a send a camera guy out there? It's about an hour well, drive. I, I got something to, to talk to you about that uh, pretty soon, actually. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Uh, okay, so this Saturday, October 24, UFC 254, Khabib versus, versus Justin Gaethje. I got to be honest with you, had it not been for that Tony Ferguson fight, uh, and if I'm, if I'm being really honest, had it not been for what happened to Khabib's dad leading up to this, I would have thought Khabib in a walk. Like, I would have yeah. thought, now, I don't know. You know, because Khabib striking is not his strength at all. We've seen other guys get the best of them standing. Khab- he, he did drop McGregor, though. Yeah, he did. McGregor, McGregor was kind of in another world. But, sure, uh, but I mean, McGregor, despite what anybody says about him, Conor McGregor is one of the most accurate strikers in MMA. He is he is a wizard with his precision, and he was able to be uh, dropped by Habib. And I didn't see that coming. Uh, guys, check out Shaquille Missouri. He's Fight Shaq Fight on Twitter, S-H-A-K. He's heading up the MMA end of things for us. Over at YouTube.com slash Fightful MMA, he's got all kinds of different content, like when, when I was talking to him about this, I was like, okay, he could do the standard interviews and be like, oh, how's your fight camp going? Nobody <laughs> gives a shit how anybody's fight camp is going. <laughs> he's got, like, news videos. He's got fighters predicting. Like, he's got Sam Alvey watching funny street fight videos trying not to laugh. Like, he's got a lot of cool different stuff over there. So please give him some love. I love what he's doing. I wanted him to do something different. Because quite frankly, ESPN has a monopoly on the breaking news because UFC just feeds it to him. So right. show him some love. But Jimmy, did you know that this Saturday's show is an afternoon pay-per-view? Actually, no, I did not. Yes, I'm so excited because I was like, oh, man, we got Bound for Glory that night. And I'm all in on Bound for Glory. I'm doing a post-show. That and sucks because that's not going to work for me at all. That's disappointing. Well, I'm happy because I'll be locked <laughs> to this freaking desk doing, uh... doing yoga in between fights all day or something. But I'm very excited. After Who you got? MMA, Who you got? I got Habib, but I, I want to see Gaethje win this. I want to see Khabib win. I, I would like to see him go undefeated because it's just something different. Sure. But uh, uh, I, I, I want to see McGregor. I think McGregor versus Habib happens if Habib loses. I think it makes sense to just really just do that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, we'll see. Well, they're going to do uh, McGregor and Poirier, right? Like, isn't that kind yes. of... In, yeah. in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, Shaq asked me about going to that, about about whether we're going to send him to that. And I was like, if you get approved, we're probably going to send you to that. Yeah, we so. can talk about it. We can talk about it. Evan Wright says, I'm not even a massive MMA fan, but the fighters reacting to trash talk stuff is hilarious. The try not to laughs are awesome, too. Yeah. Shaq had Roxanne Modafferi talking trash. And Andrea Lee reacting to that. And if you know who Roxanne Modafferi is, 
you'd be like, really? Okay, that's not going to work because she's the nicest person in MMA. Okay. Uh, we, we have a couple more Super Chats. Evan Wright says, late to the show. Sorry if I missed it. Thoughts on the UWN title tournament? Peter Avalon, Carl yep. Fredericks, Eric Rowan, Mike Bennett. Yep. I'm excited. Uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. is in it. Darren yep. Young is in it. Chris Dickinson, Carl Frederick, and uh, a guy by the name of Watts. Longtime viewers of WWE programming will know him as Eric Watts from Tough Enough. A-plus dude. He's, he's stuck with it, and he, he works a lot on the coast. I think it's a solid NWA-style tournament where you get familiar names and you put them on TV. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I uh, I was going to talk about this. So it's it's starting on October twenty seven. Is this this is the weekly pay per views? Yes. So uh, you know what I look at it like this. Number one, I applaud the effort. I'm happy they're providing a place for guys to work uh, because you look at a guy like Rowan, Eric Redbeard. I don't think AEW was interested. I don't think you know Japan's going to be interested necessarily. Maybe. Uh, so his options were going to be limited. Mike Bennett's another one. I think his options were going to be limited. So I'm glad that they have an opportunity to find a place to work. Is anybody actually watching? I don't know. I don't get a lot of people watching. I mean, I watched last night because yeah. I had a little inkling that the Pope was going to win the, the TV title. And the Pope is one of my favorite people in wrestling and right. criminally underrated. I don't see a lot of buzz for it. I, I yeah. really don't. But I it's do very like, difficult. I and, and Peter Avalon, um, how is he allowed to do television? I understand he's a bit player in AEW, but how is he allowed to do television? Um, I don't know. Okay. I Could have you, no idea. I'd be curious to know because, you know, again, you know, it's not like he's John Moxley, but I, but I thought that AEW was pretty particular, especially now at this point, now that they're over a year into TV, I thought they were pretty particular about their talent cannot appear on U.S.-based television outside of AEW. Yeah. So... I'm curious about it. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm glad these guys have a place to work. Davey Boy Smith's got options. Like, he does. I oh, know yeah. he's, he's waiting at his MLW contract. He's got options. Uh, a lot of these other guys, though, like Rowan or Redbeard, Darren Young, Mike Bennett. Darren Young's been working New Japan, uh, New Japan U.S., and Mike, Mike uh, God, I hate that I call him Canales? Mike Canellis. <laughs> he, he hates it. Yeah. Uh, it's a habit. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. But Mike <laughs> Bennett, I assume he's going to go back to Ring of Honor. I mean... Right. No reason for him not. Maybe him and Maria as a pair, yeah. Yeah. That's possible. Uh, okay. Let's. So uh, we talked about Khabib and Gaethje. I want to talk about Anderson Silva because it sounds like it's going to be the end of an era. I think it's probably long overdue. Uh, I think he would have been the greatest ever if he hadn't have continued. You know what I mean? And I feel like he kind of tarnished his legacy. And, and of course, the PEDs kind of hurt too, but I feel yeah. like he tarnished his legacy. I think John Jones is probably the best now. Uh, of all time, and if people can't get past his asterisks in his career, then maybe George St. Pierre is the best my, of all my, time. My top five all time in no particular order, John Jones, GSP, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, Anderson Silva, and gosh, I'm, I'm coming to a loss in the fifth one, but I always have him mentioned in my head. But It's always a take yeah. your pick. I mean, maybe Miocic. He's a great no, heavyweight. No? Silva, GSP, um, Silva, GSP, Jones, uh, Johnson are to me one A, B, C, and D. Like, because all four of them do different things. But I can tell you that no single fighter has inspired me to train more than Anderson Silva. I could take six months out of the gym. I watch an Anderson Silva fight and watch him just weave and pop somebody in the face and knock him out. I'm in the gym the next day. That's how it is. <laughs> 
That's so, how good he is. He's fighting uh, Halloween night, October 31st, UFC Vegas 12 against Uriah Hall. Says it's going to be his last fight. What are your thoughts on that? And, and what are some of your favorite Anderson Silva moments? Because he's one of the few guys that has kind of like some mainstream notoriety. If you're not, even if you're not a big MMA fan, you've probably heard the name Anderson the Spider Silva. So what are some of your favorite moments? And what do you think about his news that he's going to hang it up? It's time. Um, it's a bummer because even the fights that he's lost in the last several years have been like, okay, he probably should have beat Bisping. He took a Cormier fight on a couple weeks' notice after surgery. Israel Adesanya was just clean, just got beat by a better fighter. But the Weidman freak injury, the Weidman fight where he's joking around, like you, you see glimpses of him. But uh, I got into MMA a long time ago, but really got into it when I saw Rampage Jackson and Crow Cop on a Pride, uh, I think it was a Pride pay-per-view. When they moved to the UFC, it was UFC 67. I watched that pay-per-view to watch Mirko Krokop and to watch Quentin Rampage Jackson, who I saw on that show were people like Frankie Edgar and Leoto Machida on the prelims and Anderson Silva main eventing. And he fought Travis Luter, who missed weight. Uh, he missed weight and didn't get a title fight. And Silva beat him by triangling him and hitting elbows. And then after that, I was like, this dude rules. And really, after that, it was the Forrest Griffin KO. I've yes. never seen a more one-sided, embarrassing fight. And if you guys have not heard Forrest Griffin talk about this fight, look up the clip. It's hilarious. I agree. Another one of my favorites was the Stefan Bonner fight. Like, he... They had a pay-per-view main event fallout, and they were going to cancel the show. They were supposed to... They were supposed to do Aldo and Eric Koch... And Rampage Jackson versus Teixeira is supposed to be on this show. And all of it got canceled. Anderson's like, I'll fight. I don't care. And then he beat Stefan Bonner, a UFC Hall of Famer, on a three-fight win streak, up a weight division, just mm -hmm. creamed him. Like, it, I, I would watch Anderson Silva fight until he was 60 just because he's Anderson Silva. I, I've enjoyed watching No Fighter more and also been frustrated by No Fighter more and Anderson Silva. Yeah, I mean, he he was almost at one point they were going to take him off pay per view because yes. he was screwing around and not finishing guys and 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 all that. For me, uh, there, there's two things I remember the most about Anderson Silva. The first was the Forrest Griffin fight, and if you've never seen the Forrest Griffin fight, even if you're only a casual MMA fan, look up the Forrest Griffin fight. He knocked him out with a jab while stepping backwards. Think about that. Anderson Silva was stepping backwards and knocked him out with a jab. It was the most one-sided dominant fight at that level, level I've ever seen. For me, the other fight I remember was when he won the title uh, from, I'm sorry, it was the I'm forgetting the name. Rich Franklin? Rich Franklin. Yeah, when he won the title from He's Rich Franklin. From about 50 minutes away from me. Oh, is that right? That was Tennessee. the first time I can remember in any weight class that the champion went into the cage looking terrified. And, yeah. and if you've never seen that fight, watch that fight. Rich Franklin defending the title against Anderson Silva. Rich Franklin, you could see it on his face. He went into that yeah. cage looking terrified. And I remember live watching it, thinking to myself, is there something wrong with him? Because he looks like he doesn't even want to be in there. And Silva thrashed him, like killed him. Oh, yeah. Remember one, with the clinch? The great... With the clinch? Yes. Like, yes. One of the great moments was Chael Sonnen, who beat Silva's ass for five and a half rounds. Yes. He had been trashing the Noguera brothers, who were close with Anderson Silva. Footage emerged after that 
of Anderson Silva going up to one of the Nogueras and saying, I'm going to tap him out for you at all costs. I'm going to tap him out for you. And the guy goes, no, just beat him. And he's like, no, I'm going to tap him out for you. And he got beat up for four and a half rounds, slapped a triangle on with two minutes left. Very lucky. And tapped him out. Unbelievable. Very lucky. Uh, we, we have a few. Yeah, yeah. We have a few super chats before we wrap up. Throwback says, do you see Silva going to pro wrestling? I don't. I, I really don't. No. He's he's maybe a one-off at like some special event. Like right. if Josh Barnett hits him up and says, I'll do blood sport. I bet he would probably do blood sport or something I would like see him that. in AEW before I would WWE. There you go. Yeah. Evan Wright says, sorry if I missed it. Do you think we're going to see Tanahashi versus Moxley at an AEW pay-per-view for the IWGP US title sometime? Tana said he wanted the match. It's on my I, list for today. I, so, so listen, your boy, FIFOSelect.com. After this, I want to, we're going to talk about uh, AEW New Japan. I'll just say, no, I don't think we'll see that on an AEW pay-per-view for the U.S. title. But we'll talk more about it. Right. And then Throwback sent a big super chat and said, Jimmy, do you think having a saturation of pay-per-view will be discussed during the Q3 call? Is it possible having five pay-per-views in two months and a possibly seven in three could hurt WWE long-term ratings-wise and financially? No, because uh, the network now, they've already kind of scaled back on it. It's, it's not priority anymore the way it was before. Uh, now they're throwing up a lot of free content, and, and I think they're just kind of utilizing it almost like a loss leader at this point, just to yeah. kind of uh, as a way to try to keep people interested at a low cost. I don't think it matters. It's, it's very much like when they had Sasha Bailey on SmackDown instead of pay-per-view. That kind of shows you right there where the priority is in 2020. U.S. rights is where their money's at. Well, if your priority is your erect penis, thankfully— <laughs> BlueChew.com can help. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But they're chewable, so it gets right into your system. Whenever you're ready or whenever you're not, if you know what I mean, you don't have to have a confidence problem. You don't have to have a performance problem. Sometimes it's just there for you. It's just there. It's Mr. Reliable. The blue brand is reliable. It's steady. It's sturdy. And by God, it's stiff. My friends, it's prescribed online. They hook you up with the right active ingredient you need through their online physicians who uh, make sure that it's sent straight to your door as well. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. It's absolutely free when you use the code Fightful. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. You don't have to wait in line at the doctors. You just get that beautiful erect penis <laughs> and a satisfactory sexual performance. BlueChew.com code Fightful. Hit them up at BlueChew. I can't tell you how important that is. When you tell them that you even heard about their product from us, it goes a long way. So a big thank you to them. Hot dog, Jimmy. Leave a thumbs up, guys. End of show ad read. Good job, Sean Ross. I had to get it in. And you know yeah. what? If you need to get it in, use BlueChew.com <laughs> code Fightful. All right, list, list goes on, FIFOSelect.com. Got lots of stuff for you. Head over there now. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.